have a seat. If you got a Bible, why don't you go ahead and be turning to uh, the 67th Psalm. Let me kind of explain a little bit what we're doing today. Uh, we started a series in the book of Jude last uh, Sunday. Uh, Jackson did a fantastic job covering the first couple of verses for us. Uh, appreciate him doing that. Um, I wish I could have preached like that when I was 19, when I, when I first started. Uh, he's way ahead of where I was. But um, this is something we're kind of going to talk about today, but really, you know, Jackson's a pastoral intern with us this summer. Uh, that's really a part of our vision of True Life is to helping to develop and then, uh, you know, deploy people in, uh, in, in gospel ministry. But, um, you know, it would probably been better in some ways to do what we're doing today last week and started Jude this week. But uh, part of what we're going to uh, want to share about today is just kind of a report from the Honduras trip that we took at the end of last month. And it just takes some time to prepare the video, and so uh, that's kind of why we're doing it in the order that we're doing it in. But, but basically, what we're going to do today, in some ways, it's almost like a mid-year update for True Life, and then planning on uh, resuming the book of Jude next week. And I'm excited about walking through the rest of that as we talk about uh, the, the faith that stands and the faith that falls. I just think it's very timely and relevant for what's going on in the world and in the church right now, uh, the, the message of this book. But uh, today what we're going to do is we're going to just kind of walk through uh, the 67th Psalm briefly. I'm not going to do like a full-scale, proper exposition of it, so to speak. But I want to teach you a principle from it and then kind of use that uh, to talk about uh, where we are, where we're going as a church, how it relates to this principle uh, that we're looking at in, in, in the 67th Psalm. I want to talk to you about some ways uh, that you can plug into some upcoming things. So, so I'd ask you to do this. It's something we're going to use at the end. If you'll look under your seat, if you prefer paper and pen, and uh, there, there's a, a couple of sheets of paper and a pen. It's, it's like a response form. Will you go ahead and grab that? We'll use that at the end, or it may be something that you're able to use as we go. Now, if you prefer digital, and uh, this is a mystery to us on staff, but like everybody here texts all the time, except when it comes to our resp response forms, and then nobody wants to text, and everybody wants to use pen and paper, but if you would rather text and rather do this digitally, you can text, 94, or you can text TLC Serve to 94,000. It's the exact same form either way. Whatever you, whatever you prefer, though. But I know that 95% of you text all the time. So this, this is a mystery to us. But whatever floats your boat, okay? So what we're going to talk about today is the idea that we're blessed to be a blessing. And then how this applies to us as individual believers. How uh, this applies to us as a church. <clears throat> and what God is doing. Where we feel like. He's leading us, and again, how you can be a part of that. But uh, let's read Psalm 67, and it says, God, be merciful to us and bless us. And, and do you understand that any blessing we have is a result of the mercy of God? And the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. Uh, but that is by His grace and His mercy. The Bible teaches us there's common grace experienced by every person. If we're alive, we're experiencing common grace. If we're healthy, if we have a place to live and enough to eat and a family and just any blessing we have, that's the common grace of God. But there's saving grace from the mercy and grace of God through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And if we're in Christ, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that God daily loads us uh, with his benefits, that he blesses us and adds no sorrow uh, to it. And so uh, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, his, his favor be on us. But there, there's a reason for this. We're blessed by the mercy of God for the reason or for the purpose that your way, that his way, may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. We're blessed to be a blessing for the salvation of people from every people group. 
It says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. So there's kind of a book in there. Uh, Lord, be merciful to us and bless us that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation to all peoples. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. I mean, commentators down through uh, the centuries, uh, Brett read a Charles Spurgeon quote before him, being one of them, have called this a missionary psalm. That's, that's really what it is. Uh, this is the principle that I want to share with you. We're blessed to be a blessing for the salvation of people from every people group for God's glory and our joy. Th- that's the principle here. And so I just kind of want to just break this down quickly, the different pieces of it, and, and then just kind of talk about how we can apply it to our lives. So we're blessed. Again, we're blessed by God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father uh, above. If we're alive, we're blessed. If we're not in hell, we're blessed. That's the grace and the mercy uh, of God. But ultimately, God's blessing is, is given to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. If you're in Christ, you're blessed and you're not cursed. Jesus took your curse on the cross. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. We're not the source of our own blessings. We don't earn uh, our, our blessings. We're not blessed because we're good. We're blessed because we're graced. We're, we're blessed uh, by God in His mercy through what Jesus has done for us. Do you believe that He has blessed you? But we're blessed to be a blessing. Again, the psalm says, God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. So the purpose of us being blessed is not for us to hoard our blessings, but for us to be a channel of blessing to others. For us to be uh, a conduit of the gospel to others. So we're blessed to be a blessing for the salvation of people from every people group. And notice what he says here. Your way may be known on earth. The end of verse 2, your salvation among all nations. The end of verse 3, let all the peoples praise you. Verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Verse 5, let all the peoples praise you. Verse 7, God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. You know, we talk about Jesus giving the, the, the great commission uh, as, as, as it's recorded in all four gospels and acts. But its foundation is right here in other places in the Old Testament as well. You know, Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creature. Sounds like the ends of the earth, doesn't it? Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, all nations to the ends of the earth. We're blessed to be a blessing for the salvation of people from every people group. You know, when the Bible talks about the nations, really, it, that's, it, it's more talking about it in the sense of people groups. You know, we think in terms of geographic uh, boundaries, but like the, 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 the term in the New Testament in Greek, panta ta ethne, uh, all the peoples, uh, literally talking about uh, the, the, the people uh, groups. And, and so, uh, and it fits with what we see at the end of the Bible, Revelation 7, every tribe, people, tongue, and nation. That's God's heartbeat. Uh, one of the mega themes of the Bible that you could trace from beginning to end is God uh, calling a people unto himself out of every people, tribe, tongue, and nation, and we're to be a part of that. When I was in seminary at Southeastern, and I, I don't think it really stuck with me then, 
I think it has since then as I've studied the Bible more, but we were constantly encouraged. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for a seminary at some point, I would highly encourage you to check out Southeastern. They, they still have the same int- interest today. But we were encouraged to ask this question. Not why should we go to the nations, but why should we stay here? I mean, when there's billions of people who have never heard the name of Jesus, why should we stay? Maybe some of you are called to go to the nations. We're called to reach the nations. That's part of what we're going to talk about today, right here where we are, because you know, one good thing about the world today is the nations are coming to us. But, you know, the, the answer for me at this point in my life, the only reason for me to stay is because, you know, God has blessed me, and I consider it a huge blessing, that I can pastor True Life, we can have International Fellowship Church plant, a Micronesian church plant, we can be ministering in Honduras, and now other countries in Central America, Uganda, and other places as God, but we can send people and reach people here at the same time. And I feel like that's what my ministry is supposed to be. But some of you are probably supposed to go somewhere to proclaim the name of Jesus to people who have never heard it. Why? Because we're blessed to be a blessing for the salvation of people from every people group for God's glory. To make his fame, his name, his greatness, his glories known. And like the Habakkuk said, you know, let the glory of God spread like the waters of the oceans. To, to manifest his glory among all people through the salvation of his elect. For their joy, for our joy. What, what more joyful thing is there than to actually live out the purpose for which we were created and for which we were saved? And this is it in a nutshell. And, and, and the thing about it, you know, you, you could take dozens of texts in the Bible and preach this exact same principle. Because it's the message of Scripture over and over and over again. So how do we apply this? Well, let me give you three questions to think about. Number one, who is the source of our blessings? Who is the source of our blessings? Now, this is a huge question, and this is what I mean. If, if we believe that we're the source of our blessings, we're going to live one way. If we believe that God, on the other hand, is the source of our blessings, we're going to live in a very different way. You see, if I believe that I'm the source of my blessings, that means I have to depend on myself have to make it happen myself. It means when, it, when good things do happen, I can take credit for it. So it leads to pride in, in, instead of humility. But then, you know, when things don't go well, then, you know, I'm probably going to be discouraged and down on myself and beat myself up because I have to be the problem because everything has to come from me. And, and, and so if, if I'm the source, I don't really need to think of anybody else. My blessings come from me for me, by me, and so, yay me. But, if God is the source of blessing, it leads to dependence on Him, it leads to humility, because He gets the credit, not me. Now, I'm not saying this means we just sit back and let God, you know, drop stuff into our lives, but again, you know, our work, who gave you the opportunity, who gave you the ability, who gave you breath today. Well, thank God, that's a blessing that comes from Him. You see, if we see Him as the source of our blessing, it leads to gratitude because our blessings come from outside of us, are not ultimately dependent upon us, are not for us, by us, through us, because of us. They are from Him. So, it's a huge question. And, 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 and honestly... The way we answer that, I mean, it's easy to sit in church and say, of course God's the source of my blessings. But you know what a better way to tell how we really answer this question day to day is? How stressed are we? How thankful are we? How humble are we? How dependent are we? 
Those are better answers, better ways, better questions to get at the real answer to this question. Second question, what's the purpose of our lives? Is the purpose of my life, is it for me? Is it to make myself known or is it to make Jesus known? Is it to hoard as many blessings as I can get? Or is it to be a channel of blessing to other people? Is it for me to be a success on my own terms and to find my own purpose? Or is it to uh, you know, make Jesus known, proclaim him? Is it, am I here to see the salvation of the nations? Or am I here just for me? And again... Easy to sit in church, give the churchy answer, right? Most of us can quote the Great Commission and those kind of things. But here's a simple question. What are we doing that would reveal that the purpose of our lives is about making Christ known to the nations versus it being about me? I mean, seriously, what are we doing? And then three, will we live as reservoirs or conduits of our blessings. You know what a reservoir is? Here's a picture of a reservoir. You know, it, it collects water or whatever. A conduit is like a pipeline that's just moving it along. And, and you understand that the point of this psalm is not that we're to be a reservoir of blessing to collect as much as we can and, and have as much as we can and flaunt how much we have. Uh, in other words, you know, the common American lifestyle. The point of the psalm, we're blessed to make his way known on the earth, his salvation to all the earth. We're blessed to be a conduit of, the, conduit of those blessings so that the gospel would flow then to other people. So how do we do that? Well, just a few thoughts. We do it by worshiping Jesus and living for his glory. We do it by, by sharing the gospel with people around us. We do it by serving others. That can be in our day-to-day -day lives. It can be through the church as we're commanded to do, as we're gifted as a part of the body of Christ. You know, 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Listen, if you're a Christian, listen, as each one, every believer has received a gift, minister it to one another. So your spiritual gift, are, are you hoarding it? Are you being a reservoir of it? Are you being a conduit of blessing using your gifts to serve other people and share the gospel with other people? We're, we're a conduit of blessing as we give generously. And let me just stop and say thank you for your giving to True Life this year. We're running ahead of budget halfway through the year. Your, your giving to missions has been incredibly generous. And so thank you. But are you individually giving generously as a conduit of blessing? Then why would you give generously? To reach more people with the gospel because it takes uh, money to do ministry. Why would you give generously? Because God has been so generous to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his all for us out of love. And so when we give back to him as a channel that would flow to other people, we're saying we love you, we trust you, we worship you. Uh, we're saying, God, you've given it all to me. I'm giving back a percentage to you as a good steward to acknowledge what you have done for me and, and to acknowledge that you're the source of my blessings and to acknowledge that you, I can trust you with my life and with my resources. That's why the Bible says God loves a, a cheerful giver, to give from a heart that desires to give because God has given so much to us. We're blessed to be a blessing. We live this out by going, by, by living on mission for the purpose of God. Again, God may call you to plant your life in an unreached people group. He may call you to the mission field. He may call you uh, to go on a, a short-term mission trip. Uh, I, I don't know that for you, but this is what I know. I know that as Christians, we're all called to live as missionaries wherever we are. And so we're blessed to be a blessing for the salvation of all peoples, for the glory of God, 
and the joy and, and, and the joy of people. So are we living like reservoirs? We're living like conduits. So I, I want to challenge us to live as conduits of God's blessing. How can we do that? How are we doing that at true life? So I kind of just want to switch now to the practical application section uh, of all this this morning. And we'll start by talking about Honduras, then we'll talk about some of the other things we're doing in, uh, in, in missions. And uh, we'll talk about, uh, again, some ways you can plug in and be a part of this. So we're going to start by showing the Honduras video, and then a couple people from our Honduras team will come share with you.
Um, I'll just pick up on the word beautiful for a second. Uh, we had a great team. It, it was a pretty diverse team. I mean, we had several of our True Life staff, and then we had a bunch of young people, and which was great because it's an opportunity to train people that are going to do some great things. But uh, I think it was Saturday night. We were at my favorite place in Honduras, Pollo Supremo, uh, having dinner, and there was a large group of us. Uh, like 20 plus people and I was down at the end and, and talking to a couple people and just kind of just kind of looking at our team you know spread out over uh, several tables in a row and just thinking about the week and, and and what I said it was there's nothing more beautiful than the local church in this world when she's working right and we saw that on, the, on this trip and that's how God wants us to function all the time. Um, just to say a little bit about the, the bigger picture of the ministry in Honduras, Jennifer, if you want to put that chart up, just kind of a reminder, th- this is kind of an overview of, of the uh, a graphical description of the ministry in Honduras, MEPI, which is a Spanish acronym, uh, Evangelical Church Planning <coughs> Ministries in, in English, but, um, you know, some different partners here in the United States, um, and, you know, Communion is the kind of the hub church down there, but, you know, Art McCraw, some of you were here uh, the Sunday that he preached while we were gone, uh, they're one of the key partners, but, but the different uh, areas, uh, you know, the, 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 main, the end goal of it is, is church planting, and as John said, uh, Justin and I met with the pastors, most of the Mepi pastors, uh, there, there were close to, to 20 of us. And I was really encouraged. You know, we had a small team there last summer. They had been really locked down during COVID. But in the 11 months or so since the last time we were there, there's really been a lot of progress. It sounds like most of the churches, based on the reports the pastors gave us, are, are doing really well. There's some church planning things uh, happening. Probably the, the biggest thing, you know, with the training programs, and, you know, we've talked about this a lot, that the different training centers, both for pastoral training, training people in the churches, that really has reached a stage of multiplication. Um, you know, I, I went down there thinking that there's like 12 that are in operation right now. And, and, and technically, in one sense, there are, at least in how the budget is being done. But, but really, there's about 16 that are in operation because there's been four that have been started out of the one in Rio Dulce that was the original one in, in, in that area. Uh, there's uh, another one that's about to start in Honduras. There's probably uh, two that are starting in Nicaragua next year, hopefully Costa Rica next year as well. So hopefully by this time next year, we're going to be 20 plus on the training centers in three or four countries, which is just an amazing thing that uh, is the hand of God. And really, once you start training people, uh, and as they take it and use it, then who knows what happens with the multiplication at at, at that point. Uh, You know, the Boys and Girls Clubs are, are, are doing well. Uh, there's actually a new club that they've started without any financial support in the United States, which is a big step forward. Uh, there's hopefully another club starting soon, but there's you know five to six hundred kids on average per week that are being ministered to uh, through those, and and then uh, you know some other things that are going on. But that's what's going on in Honduras. Again, we encourage you to pray. We thank you for your giving. Um, you know, just in, in talking about uh, missions in general here locally, you know, really, e- even in, in Uganda, as, as John talked about, really what we're trying to do is to help train people and then see them deployed. You know, if, if you study the church around the world, one of the great needs is solid training for pastors. That's the whole point of the Bible Training Center for Pastors uh, Ministry. Uh, you know, I feel like it was just a providential God thing that through William Burton that we were brought into a partnership with BTCP, and 
you know, the, uh, the original group of the one that started here in True Life, I think tomorrow, is that right, is starting uh, their last class. So at the end of the year, we'll be having our first graduation here at, at True Life uh, for that. And so we're excited about that as well, but excited about things that God, God's doing locally in missions. Encourage you to keep praying for international fellowship, particularly you know, as the Carson Newman year starts back. There's new international students coming in. I, I was able, since Jackson was preaching last week, to go visit the two church plants in Morristown and, and, and to preach at those and uh, encouraged by what I saw there. Uh, you know, new creation, it's been a, a, a time of transition for them, but uh, some of you know, in case you don't, you know, we ordained Ryan last month. Ryan Harold is now the church planner pastor there. It's an exciting thing. Um, you know, got to see Joy, his wife, leading worship and just could see her blossoming in, 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 in that role. And, um, you know, the, the church is definitely growing spiritually. I can see a difference there. You know, they've lost some people. They've added some people. But just encourage you to continue to pray uh, for them. And, um, you know, and, and again, I just want to encourage us. A lot of what our vision is. That's why we do the internships, why we do some other training things, is, is about raising up people, particularly young people, to serve the Lord. Um, now, some of those people, we need them to stay here. But some of those people, we need to send out. Uh, because, really, honestly, like with Ryan, he had done a pastoral internship here. You know, we, we at that moment, uh, didn't have, like, a, an obvious next step for him, like a step up here. Sometimes you have to send people out where they can be in a role where they can grow into their next steps. Uh, but at the same time, if we're going to do that, we have to have a leadership pipeline here to be able to replace the people that we send out. For example, you know, Isaiah and Kennedy, two people leaving our band. Some of you with musical gifts need to be not being a reservoir of those gifts. You need to be a conduit, conduit of those gifts and, and, and share them to bless the body of Christ. Somebody gets sent out. Somebody needs uh, to step up. Uh, you know, children of Christ, I encourage you to continue to pray for them. Um, you know, had a tremendous w week there last Sunday. Um, I think... Pastor Elias kind of still sorting through some of exactly what happened. But there were a lot of people uh, who indicated a response to the gospel last Sunday. Um, you know, I mean, God's doing some great things there. They need more leaders. Uh, you know, they're, they're culturally, they're so entrenched in Catholicism. Some of them are still kind of working through, uh, you know, doctrinally, theologically, uh, you know, getting fully grounded in the gospel. You can pray for that. Uh, but, you know, they're making progress. Uh, God is working. I mean, I don't know exactly how many people were there uh, last week. Um, you know, I, I didn't count, and I just know there was like a horde of kids. But I, I'm going to guess it was somewhere uh, around 80, counting adults and, and, and kids. So it's, I, I, would, I feel very confident in saying it was, you know, between 65 and 90. But let's just kind of go in the middle and say, you know, somewhere around uh, 80 uh, which is it's not a humongous number of people. But you understand that's over 10% of their people group. You're saying like if a church in Hamblin County, an Anglo church, was like reaching 10%, you're talking like six or 7,000 people, like a mega church. Uh, but, you know, they, Pastor Elias' heart is to reach their people. They're ministering to some people in Cleveland. You know, they want to they wanna take the gospel back to their home island. So, you know, we get to be a part of that. But... We can do all these things in missions. But again, the Great Commission, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, not consecutively, but simultaneously. We're called to reach our own Jerusalem. We're called to reach the people in our lives. So, who are you praying for? Again, I, I would encourage you, if you can, to join us at noon on Wednesdays as we pray together for uh, revival and spiritual awakening. But do you have people that you're praying for? Who are you sharing the gospel with? Who's your one? Who is it in who's in your life that God would have you uh, to be ministering to, to be sharing? Who is it you know that doesn't know Christ? Uh, uh, along those lines, I want to just mention kind of a couple of opportunities to you uh, connected to church and evangelism. So 
Uh, next Sunday, the plan is to get back in the book of Jude, and we're going to talk about, you know, in verse 3, where it, it says, uh, we're to earnestly contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And then the plan is between now and Labor Day, uh, you know, to just walk through Jude verse by verse, except on the 31st, we're kind of going to take, I'm kind of going to go uh, kind of in a slightly different direction, but connected to that. But I'm going to do basically an apologetics message related to the faith of why have faith in the faith. And I'm going to try in one message to give what I think are the best reasons to believe in Jesus, to be a Christian. So if you have people, particularly people you know, ha who have kind of some intellectual questions uh, about it, that would be a great Sunday for you to bring them. August 21st, Steve Payson, a very gifted evangelist, is going to be here uh, with us that weekend. Ask you to be praying for him. He's doing several things. Don't have time to get into all that right now. But you know, he's going to be preaching the gospel, calling people to Christ on the 21st. Uh, would encourage you to invite people that day. And then that evening, we're going to do... Uh, a big outreach uh, aimed toward Carson Newman, aimed toward building the forge up. Steve's going to speak. We're going to have uh, a lot of fun things, food, a speedball paintball course, which sounds uh, really cool to me. Uh, going to try to be advertising at, at Carson Newman. We need some people uh, to serve that night. That's a way that you can actively be involved in, in, in sharing the gospel. Again, small groups. Let's serve the community. Listen, as you serve in the church, everything fits together from the nursery all the way to the sound booth to the building maintenance team to what it, it takes it all to make it work right. So as you use your gifts, you're a part of being a blessing, of fulfilling God's mission, of being a missionary, of us being able to share the gospel, of us being able to spread. You understand, the stronger we are as a church, the more people we're reaching, the more we grow, then the more we can do outwardly, the more we can do in missions. All of this fits together. So are you using your gifts to serve in the church in the way that God has called you? Are you using your gifts? One of the things we've talked about that has to be one of our priorities is to pass the baton of faith to the next generation. Some of you should be ministering in children's ministry or student ministry or uh, the, the forge to, to have this focus on raising people uh, up in Christ. There is such a need. We're literally, I think, fighting for a generation in our country. And that battle is ultimately a spiritual battle that's won one heart, one soul at a time. Again, we can sit around and whine about everything that's wrong, or we can take the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, use the gifts that God has given us, use the resources that God has given us, and be a part of making a difference. I'd much rather be a part of trying to make a difference than just sitting around whining and moaning and griping about everything that's wrong. Again, are we being reservoirs or are we being conduits? We're blessed to be a blessing. Remember, it starts on the inside of us. We're called to first be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So, so this starts with you committing your life to Christ. Are you trusting him? Do you have a relationship with him? For some of you, maybe your next step is publicly professing your faith through baptism or getting your baptism on the right side of your salvation. Are you walking with the Lord? Some of you, your next step would be getting plugged into a small group because we grow in community. Or maybe it's a discipleship class is a way that you could grow. Some of you, uh, you know, God is calling you to be a part of this church. And your next step will be to discovering true life class so you can make sure about that. So you can make a commitment so you can be uh, a, a member at true life. So with, with, with that said, again, the question is, we're going to be a conduit, or we're going to be a reservoir. Do we believe that we're blessed to be a blessing to those?